0: Welcome to episode number 16 on the My Story Podcast. The My Story Podcast features interviews with leaders, influencers, and entrepreneurs who tell us their story and the life lessons they've learned along the way. Hi, my name is conrad weaver and i'm your host for the show i'm a filmmaker entrepreneur storyteller and today i'm honored to feature an interview with my friend ingrid serban ingrid is a romanian american musician actor and filmmaker she studied classical piano in romania before moving to the u.s to continue her music studies and pursue a filmmaking career she's a voting member of the recording academy better known as the Grammy Awards, and she's recently finished her first feature-length documentary called Free Trip to Egypt. She currently lives in Europe, where she's about to begin post-production on her second feature-length documentary called Strigoi. It's the real vampires of Transylvania. In this interview, we talk about the creative process and how the experiences we have in life help shape creativity and the types of projects we work on. If you're a creative person, or maybe even if you're not, I think you'll enjoy this candid conversation with Ingrid Serban. We're listening to a sample of Ingrid's music. It's a great song and makes me miss my grandma very much. And if you enjoyed that, be sure to listen to the end of the show today. There'll be more of that song at the end of the show. And it's also available for purchase on iTunes or Bandcamp. And you can go to the show notes below and click on the link and purchase that song directly. Hey, if you're enjoying these podcasts, I really want to invite you to share it with your friends and family. And if you feel it deserves one, give me a review. Let me know what you think, what you like, what you don't like. I'd really appreciate that. And now... Here's my interview with Ingrid Serban. Well, welcome, Ingrid, to the My Story podcast.
1: Thank you for having
0: me. Sure, tell us a little bit about where you are today. You're not in the US, correct?
1: No, I'm not in the US, I'm in Europe. I am in um, Transylvania, in Romania trying to stay cool and uh, <laughs> uh, yeah that's it's a it's a challenge but uh, we manage
0: yeah so what are you doing in that part of the world?
1: at the very moment is I am taking a much needed RNR so I've taken the weekend oh, off you. I was just in the US uh, premiering my first feature documentary so we uh, opened in New York LA and then we screened in 500 500 theaters um, across the U.S. on June 12th. So that was a marathon.
0: Wow, Wow, congratulations.
1: Um, Thank you of a trip. And uh, so I've just gotten back, and uh, I'm just trying to find uh, my um, north (laughs) (laughs) by getting a bit of food and rest and and, uh, just adjusting to the time zone.
0: Yeah, I want to get into the... the into your documentary in a little bit, but I want to first back up and let's find out a little bit more about you. Who are you and what do you do?
1: Let's see. I'm Ingrid Chabon, uh, or Serban, mm-hmm. and I've been a musician for most of my life, and I've focused solely on film in the last, officially anyway, uh, because my first short film came out five years ago.
0: Hmm. So and I just you're...
1: finished my first feature film documentary, and I'm in post production with my second mm. um, in Paris.
0: Very good. So, you're a musician. What What is your uh, instrument of choice? Are you a vocalist? I played
1: piano. Yeah, I played piano and sang uh, from when I was very little and I went to music school. So, yeah, that's. It's really a second language for me, or first language, really, I guess. Okay, I, sure. I knew I wanted to play the piano when I was about two years old.
0: Hmm. So where did you grow up?
1: I grew up in Romania. I went to school here um, through high school, and then I went to the U.S., and I went to music school there. I got a music degree. Um, first, it was in piano and voice, and then I just chose voice and went along with that, and um, then... I taught at the university for a bit after I graduated as an adjunct professor, which made me feel very mm. important. But <laughs> in truth, I really enjoyed it because mm-hmm. um, I was very close in age with my students and we, we wow. had a blast.
0: <laughs> very good. So what was that? I'm always intrigued by those who have grown up in countries like Romania and Eastern Europe in particular. What was it like growing up in that culture?
1: Just like growing up anywhere in any culture. As a child, you just don't know any different. Sure. You know, yeah. So for me, it didn't feel unusual or... I mean, after, of course, after I, uh, I left and I moved to the U.S., I, I noticed some of the big differences of culture and, you know, the way of life and the way people interact with each other. But, yeah, mm-hmm. as a child, it really didn't... I don't think it really affected me much, or Mm -hmm. any of us, unless you were in a really bad situation.
0: Sure, sure. Was music a big part of your family?
1: It was not, actually. Uh, None of the people in my family are musicians or artists of any kind. Mm -hmm. Somehow, I got it in my head, I I don't know how, when I was Mm -hmm. very young, that uh, the piano was my thing.
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. what, What kind of music did you listen to growing up?
1: Um, that's a good question. Well, when I was fair, I think I went and and saw my first opera, which was the Magic Flute, when I was three years old.
0: Hmm. Wow, you and remember I, that?
1: I do because I didn't want to leave.
0: I just I cried <laughs> wow.
1: when it was over, and I mean, it's just fascinating to me that a three-year-old would sit through a three-plus-hour opera and not want to leave. Well, but, so that
0: really had an impact on you then.
1: Yeah, I just, I don't know who that was, but I guess it was mm. me. Uh, and then my, you know, there was the uh, Romanian pop music at the time, but it was um, not not the type of pop music of today. It was sure. very poetic and romantic and uh, more intricate, you know, so mm-hmm. there was that. And then my dad was a big fan of uh, the Eagles, I remember. Hmm. Um, And then when I started going to school, you know, first grade, we had to go to a classical concert once a week. Mm -hmm. Um, That was just part of the school curriculum. Mm -hmm. Um, And then, yeah, just I don't know if I listened to a lot of music, to be honest. I think I played. Um, mm-hmm. and then I played all the classics, of course, mm-hmm. you know, Beethoven and Mozart and Chopin, and Bach
0: and, right.
1: uh, yeah, but I think I did mostly playing rather than listening.
0: So you came to the U S to study, right? Mm-hmm. And yeah. you studied music. And so when did you start getting into, and, and you are actually a part, you are a member of the, uh, um, what's the organization that does the awards, um,
1: Oh, the Grammys?
0: Yes, yes. Yeah,
1: I'm a, I'm a voting member of the Recording Academy. Yes, that's correct.
0: Yeah, and how does that happen?
1: That happens carefully. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, there are certain requirements that they have, some basic requirements. And at the time, I'm, I don't know if they're the same now, but when I joined, which was about, I want to say five or six or seven years ago, something like that. Mm-hmm. You had to have 12 commercially released tracks mm-hmm. uh, to start.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: And then I think that was it. And then they had to approve you, of course, because, I mean, anybody can release 12 tracks, right. but they sure. have to be at a certain level. Mm-hmm. So that was that was the main requirement that I remember I had to fulfill, which I did. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there are certain things you have to do to, you know, remain in good standing, meaning don't do anything You know, against the bylaws of the the Recording Academy, which I haven't done, so I'm good.
0: Right. (laughs) Right. So, and so, you have you written some uh, tracks or some you know music for feature films?
1: I did not write for feature films. What I did is, and the basis that I applied with um, for the Recording Academy was I was on my uh, former husband's um, uh, albums, so I sang with him okay. mm-hmm. on one, two two albums and a few um, singles.
2: Mm-hmm. So I
1: did that. and then I scored most of my short films, and that was really, really fun. actually, mm-hmm. my first short film was very. Um, egocentric in that way because because I wrote it I directed it I filmed it I edited it I scored Mm it I mean it was just a very solo kind of operation and I had some I had some friends help of course because I needed actors and they were really great Mm -hmm. Um, and then I scored a few other of my shorts but uh, for this feature I did not and but i always have a very very keen sense of what i want in terms of sound and music for a film because mm-hmm. it's just very important to me and i understand that language really well sure. so i worked very closely with a person who the people who scored the film just to make sure that um the story that was being told in words and images was resonant with the score
0: sure Sure. What got you interested or started in the the film production?
1: That's another good question. You know, I recently realized that I was making short films, but not thinking of them as short films, short documentaries, Mm -hmm. just a a long time ago. And I just never thought of it, that that's what I was doing. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it just really became official when... I felt this sort of pressing need to say something, something that was important to me, and I didn't quite understand what it was. And I knew I wanted to look into the short format because I just didn't want to tackle something longer at the time. Right. I just wanted to do something that my skill set at the time would help me do. Mm-hmm. So I was looking, I was reading short stories, and I couldn't quite find anything. And then my short film, All Sales Final, which came from a dream I had. And it was just mm-hmm. sort of a spark of inspiration. And then I wrote it just on scraps of paper and filmed it on my iPhone. <laughs> I made it a silent black and white because I just, it felt sort of, I wanted to be a, a type of a symmetry with the beginnings of cinema itself, you know, just mm-hmm. <laughs> sure. being my first film.
0: Hmm. Very good. And so you created some short films, and and what did you do with those?
1: I, you know, I I created that first short film and I sent it to a few festivals and it got into about, I think, seven or eight film festivals. Mm -hmm. And I was surprised because, Mm -hmm. you know, you kind of don't expect that right off the bat. So I thought, oh, okay, (laughs) (laughs) I think I'm going to make another one. So I made a short documentary and then that got into a couple of festivals, um, and then I felt like I had a passion for storytelling, but I didn't quite have the skill set mm-hmm. to really do it. And the only and I didn't want to go to school. I didn't want to go to film school because it felt sure. like just this interminable. I don't know how many years and limitations and all of that. And I just really wanted to play. Right. So I set a challenge for myself to make one film per month for a whole hmm. year.
2: Wow. So did you did, do
1: that then? I did. I did 12 wow. films, short films in a year. And
0: and were these documentaries did, or were these narratives?
1: You know, everything. Uh, I did okay. experimental music video documentaries, stop motion animation, because I wanted to hmm. see what that was like. Hmm. Um, narrative. Um, I did one, it was really fun, this uh, fiction short film where, I enlisted uh, a bunch of my neighbors in San Francisco to be actors, and I wrote this mm-hmm. murder mystery, and we all had a blast. And
0: you know, uh, that sounds like I fun.
1: Just, yeah, I just <laughs> really had a lot of fun that year. It was mm-hmm. a lot of pressure uh, because mm-hmm. you know I also was working and had sure. a life. So,
2: mm-hmm.
1: um, but I did it, and it felt really good. And those mm-hmm. films I did not release publicly. Um, mm-hmm. A couple of them I sent to. No, one, no, two I sent to a couple of film festivals, but I really didn't uh, pursue those um, Mm -hmm. to get them out into the world other than I shared them with the people on my mailing list.
0: Sure. Hmm. So what motivates you to tell a story?
1: (sighs) You have good questions, Conrad. (laughs) Oh, thank you. Um. That's something I've been really, really examining in the last few months because, I mean, art, we all know art heals, right? Right, sure. And I think All of us as artists create out of a desire to heal ourselves and others. So I think that's where it has come from. Hmm. So from that space of... Maybe am uh, unconsciously or subconsciously uh, trying to heal mm-hmm. myself and um, you know whoever else needs it, mm-hmm. but also from a sense of play and um, curiosity and putting things together and seeing what happens. So mm-hmm. it's it's as much a, a an adult sort of psychological um, endeavor and also a just childlike play or game. Mm-hmm.
0: Do you find it more, I mean, you spend a lot of time in your home country, Romania, and you spend some time in Paris and you're living on the West coast in the U S what, what area is there an area of the world that you find it's easier to make film or to tell story from?
1: Mm, I can't say that's the case, at least not for me in part, because if I wanted to do something, I've always just done it. Right. Uh, I've never quite waited for anyone to give me permission or to help me or or anything like that like if I wanted to create something I'll just do it if nobody else is there to do it with me oh well if people are there to do it with me great Hmm. so that's that's been my approach anyway now that I've sort of gone through the last two years and very ambitiously decided to make two feature films <laughs> at the same time, more or less. I'm a bit tired, so I bet. <laughs> so I am I am now in a space where I just really need to take a breath uh before I head back into the edit uh for mm. my second film in August. Mm-hmm. So at this point, um I feel that, and I've become pickier, you know, it's Mm -hmm. like in the, in the beginning, you just sort of do what it takes and you do it and it's fun. And then you you become a little, I don't want to say jaded, but selective. You become a little Mm -hmm. more selective, just kind of Mm -hmm. what you do with your, the energy you have and the time. I think you know a little little bit more what
0: you want. You know a little bit more what would you want to do and what do you want to accomplish?
1: Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So a little more uh, distilled or focused Mm, or something. Sure.
0: Sure. And I think that happens. I know in my case as well, you know, there's so many different things, so many different stories you can tell. And I have to figure out exactly what those stories are that I want to tell. I mean, there's, Mm -hmm. you know, some stories, you know, someone else can tell in a better way or has more resources to do that. But I have to figure out what those stories that are compelling to me and then pursue those. And, but I like what you, I like what you say. You just, you, if you see something and you want to do it, you just go do it. I think too many people, I think are a little afraid of that and afraid of stepping out.
1: Yeah. And the thing is, that's okay too. It's like, that probably means you don't really want to do it and that's fine. You just sort of flirting with the idea. And there's Mm -hmm. absolutely nothing wrong with that. Like, I usually tell people like, yeah, do it. You can do it. And then if they sort of go sort of like, well, I don't know this and that, then I just, just like, okay, well, um, you don't have to. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Nobody, Nobody's right. making anyone be creative. It's one of the most difficult, uh, I guess, career paths in life mm. because of, of the ups and downs and the uncertainty and sort of the emotional investment that you have to put forth.
0: Right. Because there is that, that it, it really can be draining, right? Especially awesome. if you're, you know, if, like my last documentary, Heroin's Grip, it's, uh, you know, we're in the middle really? of distribution right now. And that was a very emotionally charged film to work on. Yeah. You know, yeah. Working with families who've lost their loved ones to working with people in addiction and being immersed in that for two years, you know, really took a lot out of me. And,
1: wow! Uh, yeah, I can imagine. Wow! Yeah, you know, so, it's hard work.
0: Yeah, it is. It is, and but it's 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 meaningful work, especially when you have a screening and someone comes up to you and says, "Wow, I really got a lot out of this film, and I understand this subject a lot better." And so that just makes it yeah. all worthwhile.
1: Absolutely. I mean, to a certain extent, I think most of us artists have a sort of a messiah complex, you know, that we're out there <laughs> to save the world.
0: <laughs> right, right. So, yeah. it's
1: I mean, it's it's a it's an aspect worth examining, I think, at least in myself, just mm. to see and really understand why is it that I create and why is it that I want to continue to create or do I want to continue to to create? And you know, it's it's uh it's uh I'm at a I'm at a crossroads at the moment. hmm
0: Mm-hmm. What's your favorite genre to work in? I mean you, you did documentary work, you did some shorts, you know, some fiction shorts. What's your favorite genre to tackle?
1: I have to say that since most the majority of my in-depth work has been in documentary, and I have a knack for it in terms of kind of following a story, and even more than that, I think I, I think I'm seeing, and I've I've been told that I have a way of making people feel like they can be themselves in front of the camera. Hmm. So that's vital in documentary. Absolutely,
0: um, yeah. It's gaining that trust with your subject, right?
1: Absolutely, yeah, yeah, yeah. And just yeah, making them feel okay to be who they are. Mm-hmm. Um, but that you know that's something that I I extend. I try to extend to the rest of my life. So it probably is just the same. Mm-hmm.
0: Um, it's, a, but, it's a little bit about who you are. It's it's about kind of how you approach life.
1: Yeah. Exactly. So it's very real, you know, documentary mm-hmm. filmmaking. Right. It's just like you said very well. It's like just an extension of who you are and of your Enough. life. Uh, fiction seems to me, at least for the short films that I did, a bit more playful.
2: Hmm. Mm-hmm.
1: Because you set the parameters and yes, there's wiggle room, but it's sort of like this is the playground, this is we're gonna where we're gonna play and it's gonna not gonna go really wild <laughs> and out there and somebody, you know, is not gonna get too out of control. Right. But with documentary, I mean just you know things happen.
0: Right. A documentary would you say is more mission driven than a fiction than a piece of fiction?
1: It's just more wild. It's like the wild west. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know if driven, but just, Mm -hmm. just, um, I feel like I almost have to sort of have a thousand eyes Mm -hmm. and be super alert Mm -hmm. all the time where I guess with, with narrative from the limited experience that I have, it just feels a bit more contained.
0: Sure so what's your approach when you have an idea a story a subject what what's your what's the first thing you do when you're working on a documentary
1: I to remember what I did <laughs> <laughs> because I've been in the really midst of these two big stories
2: mm-hmm.
1: and it's been a little while since I grabbed the, at a short or something that's just doable in a few days mm-hmm Usually I get a spark of an idea and I get excited about it. And then I write it down in scenes Hmm. and I just write it. I sort of write it down from beginning to end. And I do the same thing with songs. Um, I just sort of from beginning to the end and some of them I will write in like 10 minutes, 15 minutes, some feel unfinished. So I'll leave them alone for a week or two and then I'll go back to them. But sort of the same thing. With scripts and stories, usually I just write it from top to, to the end. Hmm.
0: And then once you get into the produce, the production of it, the, the story, do you find a story sometimes deviates from your grand plan? Always.
1: Always. <laughs> always. <laughs> <laughs> and because of just... And this isn't always the case, because with the film that I did in Egypt, we really had... The resources that we needed um, mm-hmm. financially but it, it does come from from just what's available and who's available that'll change sure but then even with the new elements it's sort of like oh i haven't thought about that let me see what i can do with that so then you create something that fits it and you sort of feature something that you have to work with because you can't work with the other thing you wanted
0: mm-hmm.
1: so again it becomes the play
0: so what so how do you approach then raising funds for a project that a story that you have that you want to tell
1: With my short films i i did the first few of them on my iphone then i borrowed a camera from a friend and i did everything myself so mm-hmm. that was that um uh, my first feature that's actually becoming my second now I did a Kickstarter, and that was a lot of fun. Actually, mm. I really enjoyed it.
0: Really, because I—that's—I mean, I've had—I don't know, three or four Kickstarter, or I, I use Indiegogo, and I just dread those things.
1: <laughs> oh, I loved it. I love doing yeah. the video, and I did the Kickstarter videos for a couple of my friends, and I just love it. Yeah, I love the short form, and I love putting a fun spin on selling something so maybe mm-hmm. I should just go into commercials but <laughs>
0: well, maybe you should <laughs> maybe. Or you, could, you could put together a business of doing that for other filmmakers
1: yeah you I love it. Probably, it you could, could probably make silly. a lot of money doing that <laughs> yeah maybe maybe yeah. um so I did the kickstarter and that did really really well and then again I I filmed it so I raised funds basically for uh gear and expenses
2: Mm -hmm, sure.
1: because I filmed it myself. Mm -hmm. So, and then for my, the film I did in Egypt for that one, I was hired to direct. So someone else had the idea and the funds and I was, they just hired me.
0: Yeah. So you were hired as a director? Yeah. 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 Mm -hmm.
1: So tell me about that film. I didn't have to worry about money.
0: Yeah. So what was that film about and, and how did you, you know how did you get hired to do that?
1: um, you know a friend of a friend mm-hmm. that's how sometimes it works, and the film is about it ended up being about a man he's an Egyptian man, but he's born in Canada, and he wanted to take uh, give Americans who are concerned or don't know much about or even afraid of Muslims. he wanted to give them free trips to Egypt. oh wow. Yeah. And Isn't
0: that what it's called? It's called free trip to Egypt exactly yeah, wow, and so so how did you- how do you find these subjects?
1: you know for we tried all all the avenues we could think of, like um we did of course, we did a video like an invitation video telling mm-hmm. people like Tarek, who's the executive producer and the man with the idea you know, some people, Hey, this is me. I'm giving free trips, come to Egypt. So of course, I mean, that was just mm-hmm. a little strange because mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> it's hard to believe that sure. somebody would do that. Sure. Um, and, but and we yeah. got some responses and then we got a, a lot more credibility. We went on Sirius XM on Dino Badala's, uh, I don't know if you know, him.
2: No, um, no. he's
1: a comedian.
2: Okay. Um,
1: And he did this film, the Muslims are coming or something like that. It's a documentary or, or a comedy tour or something like that. I don't remember now. Mm -hmm. He's a really, really cool guy. So he had us on his show and that um, brought in a few submissions. And Mm -hmm. then we went, just uh, talk to people on the street. We went Mm -hmm. to a Trump rally. Uh, We posted on social media, Um, you know,
0: Mm -hmm. so how many people did you actually how many people did you actually take to egypt then
1: we took six wow Uh uh-huh
0: and then you filmed their their trip and their journey and their thoughts and yeah
1: we once we got to egypt we paired them with egyptians Mm -hmm. egyptian hosts and then um i uh just sort of made sure that I knew all of our participants as much as possible before we got to Egypt, of course. Mm-hmm. And then just tried as best as I could to think of activities or or go through activities that would bring out whatever was sort of the essence of our characters. Okay. Or something that challenged them or, you know, and that we did the same Were thing with the pairings, you know, like... For example, you know, we paired one woman and her husband, you know, elderly couple from Pennsylvania, we who are just been terrified of Muslims since 9/11, we paired them mm-hmm. with an Egyptian revolutionary, hmm. a young man, you know. Mm-hmm. So stuff like that. Wow. So it was interesting. It was a definite interesting social experiment and mm-hmm. everyone had a great time and uh it's it's a feel good movie, you know. Sure. It's not a controversial mm-hmm. It's sort of nobody's being bashed or, oh. or made fun of. It's, it's a pretty uplifting film.
0: That's great. So you had, you had your premiere a couple of weeks ago, right? And here mm-hmm. in the U S Correct. Yeah. and how was it received?
1: Really, really well. So the New York and LA premieres were sold out, which is really nice. Mm-hmm. And everyone loves the film, which I, this is my first, you know, sort of, bigger film event like having a premiere and theaters and all of that Mm -hmm. so after spending two over two years now with it and sort of agonizing (laughs) over it and being very hot in egypt to be able to share it with people and everyone being so enthusiastic and loving it and saying that they're motivated to be kinder to people they don't know and all i mean it's it's really encouraging for sure Mm -hmm. it just makes you feel that well I did something.
0: <laughs> yeah, sure, sure. And so, what's the future for the film? Is it uh, going to be available on streaming services or, or Yeah,
1: it? that's that's sort of where we're going, I think, for the next little while, um, because we've had a lot of requests to mm-hmm. have community screenings. So we're okay. going to do that, and we, I think we're working with Tug for that. So it's oh, sure. like um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: on demand, right? And then then we've been invited by a few festivals, so we'll do that. Um, Mm -hmm. And then afterwards, I'm not sure, I actually have a call. Uh, I have to do a call with uh, my executive producer in a little bit here, and he'll let me know what's going on. There may be another theatrical run. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: Uh, And then, of course, it will end up on VOD for sure.
0: Sure, sure. Very cool. Well, congratulations on that. And uh, I was, I was hoping to be able to get to a screening. I I think there was one in DC at Mm -hmm. one of the theaters, but I was, I was out of town, so I wouldn't be able to make it. But uh, it was
1: a very small window. Thank you. mm -hmm, Thank you for trying But it was, you know, it was the one day.
0: (laughs) Right. Yeah, exactly. Uh, So you're working, you're in getting ready to start post on a, on a new doc.
1: Yeah, this is the one I actually filmed uh before I started on Free Trip to Egypt. And okay. it's um I filmed it here in Romania. Um, and it, and over it's the your, and it,
0: and It's a film that you produced and, and directed. Yeah, correct. Okay. Uh-huh.
1: Yeah, it's another documentary and it's about real vampires hmm. in Transylvania. Interesting. Yeah.
0: So that sounds uh <laughs> yeah, <it> sounds scary. <laughs> it is scary. <laughs> So it we'll we'll have to uh, get back in touch once you're uh, ready to deliver this one and uh, see, see.
1: I know. I is. mean, it's really it's it's been fascinating hmm. to to see sort of where I started with it mm-hmm. and sort of the mental not mental state because you know I'm I'm still okay. <laughs> 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 but let's go ahead. Yeah. Just just how. Really heavy of a thing it's it's become mm. Mm. because it's it's dark stuff mm-hmm. and I mean you know I I met with a DP in Paris because um I need a couple more things to film and I I can't film them myself and then I showed him some footage and uh, told him told him a couple of the stories and he said he can't do it mm. because mm-hmm. he's scared
2: yeah yeah.
1: And I thought, yes, it's true. It has been so intense. Mm-hmm. But until he sort of said that, I didn't really stop to think about what I've gone through with this mm-hmm. film in the last, mm-hmm. you know, however long. So mm-hmm. I am very eager to see it through. Mm-hmm. Uh, and we're are, you doing,
0: like, are you doing? Are you? And you have a post-production company doing the post for you, or are you doing it yourself? Well? Yeah.
1: Yes, thank God. Yes. Mm-hmm. I have a really lovely editor. She's uh, from Belgium and uh, she's living in Paris and I have two amazing producers. So okay. I'm in very, very good hands because I was planning on editing it myself, mm-hmm. at least to a certain point, which at this point, even when I say it, it sounds absolutely insane. <laughs> <laughs> it's just just the, the, the amount of... Um, yeah, the topic itself, and the people, and just how close I've been with everyone—it's mm-hmm. too much. Sure. To edit it on um, just yeah. too, it's just too much. So they—they've come, my my French and Belgian people. They they just really came in at the right time, and I feel really really good working with them. They're very supportive, mm-hmm. and um, the kind of people where you feel free creatively around, and that's, mm, that's kind great. of a basic. Big gift
0: yeah do you find that that sometimes for a project like this sometimes it's it's kind of maybe hard to release it to someone else no no
1: because it depends on who you release it to <laughs>
0: right <laughs> that's true yeah
1: i think anybody else well not anybody else but if if we weren't such a good match and if i mean my producer said it's like the most important thing is for you to feel free hmm And I just, I was just blown away because who says that?
2: Mm -hmm. Right.
1: You know, usually people want to control and and limit and say, you should do this and that, and you can't do this and you can't do that. So for a while, I didn't tell anyone because I just felt like it was too good to be true. (laughs) (laughs) But they're, they're the real deal and they're really enthusiastic and supportive. So now all I have to do is really kind of gather my own strength and see it through. Mm Mm-hmm.
0: So in the course of your life and the work that you've done, what are some of the big life lessons you've learned along the you know, along the way?
1: Okay, let me think about that for a second. I think probably the biggest one is to really make sure that you work with the people who are a good match. I think that's really, really important because... You know how it is. It just gets you get so tired, and and it's it's such a kind of a heavy load to carry. Right. And if you don't have the people who sort of speak the same language and care about the story and about you, then you're just in big trouble. I mean, yeah. you may see yep. it through. You may not. But even if you do see it through, you end up just completely <laughs> a mess. Yeah. Exactly. And you have to sort of take a year-long vacation.
0: And it can be expensive. I mean, maybe I'm exaggerating, <laughs>
1: but that's, that's really, really, it seems to me, very important. Yeah. Um, yeah.
0: So who are some of the, what are some of the books or wh- who are some of the people who have most influenced you?
1: You know, that's a very good question. I think creatively I've always been kind of an insular person. Hmm. I haven't really gone to study other people's work um with a purpose you know mm-hmm. like I haven't gone oh I'm gonna watch you know seven you know Wes Anderson movies or right, something right. Mm-hmm. To, to get this thing that he's doing it's just mm-hmm. I really admire people who do that actually who who really see a creative person and they love what they do and so they go they study mm-hmm. it and then they sort of assimilate it and do it in their own mm-hmm. way I just I've I've never really done that I haven't had the focus, and I think I've created more, sort of um, digesting everything and anything that comes my way that mm-hmm. sort of sparks my fancy, mm-hmm. and then from that just salad of things and my own inner workings, just that's that's the origins mm-hmm. of what I create.
0: Yeah, you know, I found that you know I've I've talked to other filmmakers, and they're like, oh, you know, you've studied this director or that director, and they love this person's work, and I'm like. I watch movies, but I watch them for just entertainment, you know, <laughs> and I don't really sometimes don't really take note of who the director was, or, you know, I hear about a movie and I just watch it because I like it or, but I, I do have to say personally, i w I'm a huge fan of uh, Alfred Hitchcock. So I'm a huge fan of mm-hmm. Alfred Hitchcock, but he's really the only yeah. one that I can say that I've, I like his style, I like his lighting, you know, I like that he appears in all of his films. And I've done a little bit of that. I think the documentaries that I've produced, mm-hmm. I've I've had a glimpse of me in every doc that I've produced. And so it's like that kind of has become my thing, I mm-hmm. guess. So when the movie about your life is made, what will the log line be?
1: Well, I mean, I'm just kind of I don't feel like I've gotten very far in my life. <laughs> so I don't know what's going to happen from now on unless I just expire in the next month. Well,
0: hopefully that, that won't happen. You've got so much creativity <laughs> in you. <laughs> um, um,
1: I'm going to have to think about that. Yeah.
0: You know, that's something that I try to think about in my own life. I mean, I'm, I'm a little older and, you know, looking at the the fourth quarter of my life, you know, and so I'm looking, okay, what do I want my log line to be? And so i try to focus on things that I really value and, want to accomplish in the next 25 years
2: mm-hmm. and so
0: mm-hmm. uh, it's something that I yeah. often think yeah, about that's,
1: that's, that's a, yeah that's good it's uh, a good idea sort of to plan yeah. the next the next chapter because yeah. I've I've sort of most of my life I've sort of flown by inspiration and by mm-hmm. motivated by love of things and people mm-hmm. but this whole planning sounds like an
0: interesting endeavor <laughs> plan your
1: life like you plan a movie
0: you know and I, I kind of have this thing where you know i want to plan because i don't want to get to the end and look back and say oh i wish i would have you know i wish i would have right. done xyz i wish i would have done this or that and i want to i want to even though i i am kind of an adventurer and i like the i like the uh so like in two weeks, three weeks, my wife and I are taking a trip out West and we have a plan, but in the middle of that plan, I don't have a plan, you know, mm-hmm, so mm-hmm. I kind of like to take the road that is in front of me and, nice. but, uh, I do, you know, for as my life and as a whole, I want to not plan every detail, but at least have a goal, you know? And so that's, what's your, what's your goal? You know that, that that's actually a really good question. You know my goal is to really to impact the world in a way to make the world to leave the world a better place than it was when I when I entered. Uh, mm-hmm. And that's a huge huge monumental probably impossible task, but at least that's a goal I have. And at least you know for oh, the the oh, people that I that the people that I impact, the people that I connect to for them to be better because of that that they knew me i want to be more intentional i guess about Mm -hmm. those things
1: well i'm sure you've already done that so
0: well i just want to say thank you so much just for taking time to talk and i've always enjoyed talking to you and
1: likewise thank you so much for having me and for your thoughtful questions and uh, it's been an absolute pleasure
0: Thanks so much, Ingrid, for taking time to talk with me today. I know you're traveling in Europe, and it's uh, great to be able to catch up and to uh, hear what you've been up to for the past while. Next time on the My Story podcast, we'll hear an interview with another filmmaker. This time, it's director Michael Seibel. He's worked on a number of projects for the Billy Graham organization and for Chuck Colson's organization. He's written, directed, and produced quite a few feature films and has been working in Hollywood and in the film industry for many, many years. And we're going to have a chance to hear my conversation with director Michael Seibel next time on the, my story podcast. So please be sure to tune in next time. The, my story podcast is produced by Conjo studios and the music on today's show is from my friend, Drew Davidson. You can get all of his music on iTunes or Spotify or at drewdavidson.com. We also heard select pieces from today's guest, Ingrid Sorban. So if you enjoy her music, you can check her out, all of her music on iTunes and on her website, and we'll leave it in the comments below on the podcast. Last, if you have an idea for an interview you want to hear, send me a message and I'll see what I can do. Thanks so much for listening. I'll talk to you again next week on the My Story Podcast. And now for those of you who were kind enough to stick around for the entire show, here is Ingrid's song, Grandma's House. ¶¶